Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Well, you've been a busy boy, haven't you? You've been <laughs> climbing mountains, you've been running marathons, and yeah. not just running marathons, but sort of smashing it out of the park. Mr. Oh, I only did it in 10 weeks notice. Come on, <laughs> no, tell no. us, tell us how you did it. Tell us how you did it. Are we starting with a marathon story? Are we? Well, I'm interested yeah, so, in it. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, yeah, like that's fair enough. And we, we are a fitness podcast. So to start with something about fitness makes sense, I guess. Where to start? So I got a phone call and I was given nine and a half weeks notice to, to help someone run the marathon as in guide them because they're visually impaired. <laughs> so this, I then found out this guy was a, a super keen runner, lives in Austria, runs up and down mountains most days of the week. So I was a little bit worried. So I had to sort my life out and I just, and without I talked about this previously on podcast, like I just sort of switched off all the strength training that I did and just did running training, but then very much tried to manage my recovery as well as actually running and try not to run too much. Obviously I've got some residual uh, fitness muscle memory from having run previously and bits and pieces. So I was like, yeah, anyway, let's go straight. <laughs> let's not go into the training aspects of it too much, but the, the actual marathon is quite a funny story because I was telling it the weekend I was at christening yesterday and someone asked me, I said, well, I did a marathon and you didn't train for it and you smashed it. And I was like, well, basically got dragged round for the first 21 miles. So if you want it, my, my advice, my top, my top tip, <laughs> my top tip for running a fast marathon or far, fast for you, fast for me, not pretend it's, a, you know, I did actually see Kipchoge at the event beforehand. And uh, yeah, so it's obviously not a fast marathon for him. That would be crawling on his belly, probably the speed that I did at is get someone who's much faster than you to drag you for the first 21 miles <laughs> and then hobble hobble home and you probably do all right now you did this out of the goodness of your heart there was he, he, he wasn't paying you for your services and if he was no did you have to refuse the money because you basically slowed him down <laughs> He wasn't behave. He wasn't paying for me. Yeah, I was volunteering, <laughs> and I probably did slow him down. But he's very, very gracious, and very happy to have my support for twenty-one miles. And then, obviously, his visual impairment wasn't that bad that he could continue without me. So he didn't have to slow down as as, as much as I did for those last five miles. But he was happy to go on on, on his own and sped, sped to the finish line. So you weren't. As they are sort of, when I'm thinking visually impaired, I'm thinking 100 metres Paralympics where they're tethered to each other. That wasn't the case. I have, so I've run, I've, I've, I've run, I've run a half marathon with a guy that was completely blind and we were tethered together. And ov obviously in that case, if he's faster than me, he has to run at my pace. Luckily yeah. that wasn't the case. He was much slower. So I was, I was, I was, I was in good shape there. But no, so yeah, so visual impairment and, and he was able to continue and happy to continue. 
So and what it was are you, fine. What, I was a bit worried, obviously. If he can continue, what what are you what are you providing? Watch out for that pothole. There's a dog poo there. So it's very specific. So it's very specific. Visually, so left eye absolutely fine, like eighty nine percent, I think. And his right eye, he had some vision in it, but it, but but sort of a, a very focal vision. So he can't see anything moving from right to left into his field of vision. So so I was effectively on his right hand side stopping people running in front of him because you couldn't see that so then he would hit them and, and run in and that's actually what happened mark i hope you don't mind me talking about you on, on podcast <laughs> but that's what happened in a previous marathon he tried to run on his own and he had a big fall broke his collarbone <gasps> continued and finished the race oh that's good he's a tough guy jesus mm. so there i'm there kind of blocking and tackling so the rugby my rugby background stood me in good stead so on the other side of this, you helped out a man, but really he helped you out, get you around this marathon on nine and a half weeks training. And did you run a decent time? Personally? Yeah. yeah Obviously yeah. So you, it, you tanked his it, marathon, but what, did you run a decent time? <laughs> it was a shit show. No, it wasn't. It was, <laughs> yes, I did actually. I saw the number three. That's good. Yeah. So personal Thank best you. for me. By That's I, only amazing. by I think eighteen. Yeah, I know it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you bought him a beer. I did, mate. I did. Yeah, and then he had to buy me one back for dumping me at mile twenty-one. Yeah, that's is is that is that not. What is the, is there a runner's code? Is there a marathoner's um, code that if you sort of run together for 21 miles, you can't then just burn somebody at the end? Or is it every man for himself? Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, no, we had a conversation and I said, uh, you, you know, you want to push the pace, push the pace. I'm not going to hold you back if you want to go on your own. And he was like, yeah, I'm good with that. Okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> And then I watched, and then I effectively looked at my watch and watched my mile mile per minute time drop from I think below eight to nine, well eight and a half to nine, nine and a half. <laughs> oh really? Do you think if do you think if you'd stayed with it that you would? That, oh, sorry, do you think that that was inevitable? That was going to drop anyway, and it was sort of it was better for him that he wasn't with you, or do you think if you'd have stayed? you would have been able to keep it up or, you know, what kind of, what kind of shape were you in? No, 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 no. So I, that was me. Like I could not continue at his pace. Right. So I was like, I can't, like, we either slow down together or you carry on on your own. Okay. That's, um, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a big chat to be having when everyone's mm -hmm. knackered, but still three minutes, whatever it was, that's, that's great. No, we'll have to see a three on the clock, especially after nine and a half weeks. Um, Three three hours forty three forty two I think it was nineteen it was eighteen seconds quicker than my my best time and so like okay so here's a bit of training chat then if you've you've achieved that off nine and a half weeks we've talked about a little bit of residual um, strength familiarity in the legs obviously you know that you can complete the distance you'd also done a little bit of altitude training because you were treated yourself to a little 
trip up Kilimanjaro, which was, you know, must have, I th- presumably must have helped. Um, but running with somebody, that would probably, when you ran your previous personal best, you weren't doing sight, uh, being a sight guide. But do, do you think that really played a, a part in it? This guy pushed you to beyond where you, where even your training had taken you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I've worked out about myself, and this is what I linked to kind of right at the end in my rant, is I'm a lazy fucker. <laughs> <laughs> and I need I need external validation, motivation to, to push me forward, really. And yeah, I think, yeah, he supported me. And I, I know where I am in my training, my life, I know that if I'd been entered into that race and just been on my own and just being like, oh, you know, chatting to people and like, hi guys, yeah, I would have just cruised the race and come in way slower. I don't know, I couldn't give you a time, but <clears throat> that's, yeah, that's my view. Mm. Yeah, well, anyway, congratulations. Congratulations to Mark. Is it Mark? Yeah. Because he got you a personal best, so that he's probably telling a an equally... His, story, his side of the story is probably funnier, but uh, it sounds like you had a good time. So well done, mate. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, it's just an awesome event, though, London. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest events in London, one of the biggest cities. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, I had some clients. Uh, it's a, one client. I've had a, f- a few clients over the years do it since I moved to London. Um, I've never been the um the running coach per se but these people are normally taking running up seriously for the first time so it is to your point what you did for your training which is a lot of um load management in terms of making sure that they just they don't do too much on the road too soon and then supporting them with some of the strength work in the gym and uh sarah ran it and uh, she completed it she was very happy. I think we've got to have a conversation this week to see whether she's going to go on to do Dublin now. Um, she she has a benchmark. And um, yeah, that's probably the closest I've got to manage. I wouldn't even call it coaching with Sarah. It was managing her through that process. So we would have calls multiple times a month just to talk about her training and make sure that she felt confident about what she was doing when she was on the road. We talked a little bit about aerobic training as well and zone two and trying to make sure that the majority of her work was in that in that zone um and yeah i mean she completed it she was very happy her girlfriend competed at the same time as well and i think when you run your first one and i mean i've never run one so you'll be able to tell me this but i don't think anything prepares you for that you never run the distance beforehand so that is the first time you'll have run 26.2 miles you get fairly close to that. Although I've heard that some people only do like 18 as their long run before, if you're a novice. So you, you know, that's a considerable distance away from 26.2. Um, that's 30% shy. So it must be a hell of a feeling when you, when you cross that finish line, when you've done something that literally your body hasn't done before at that kind of intensity. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and I think yeah. So and and it's interesting because Mark and I had a, g- a good chat about how he trains, and he's a he's a serious guy. And when it comes to running, he takes it seriously. And and he's had some coaches uh, far more experienced than me in, in running coaching. But yeah, so novice first marathon, 
yeah, the, the, the advice is not to go too far in terms of your distance. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't counter that. However, you need to be mentally prepared for when you hit mile 18. And this is just my view, <clears throat> like everything on the podcast. <laughs> it's mile 18 is for me, certainly where the darkness kicks in. And that's where you have to ask. That's where the soul searching begins until you get to that mile 20, I would say mile 22. 23 maybe like the last so that you've got basically three four miles there where you not questioning your existence on this planet and you've really got to understand like what how to get through that phase and i think coming outside uh, coming out the other side of the marathon is that is probably the goal of 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 the event is is pushing yourself through that and then the last few miles you're either like crawling along but the crowd is is pumping you through or, or you suddenly get this like little bit more little bit of a a spur to finish uh, and you finish well but that i would say yeah that mile 18 point is uh is a is a tipping point for lots of lots of runners myself included and and i actually knew it because i knew i hadn't i wasn't that well prepared i said to mark as we we're running along i said right we we, we we i mean we sped through the first 16 17 miles like we were going super fast and I was like, okay, I'm clinging on by my, my teeth. But come mile 18, 19, I know that like, it's going to be, you know, the conversation is going to change a lot <laughs> and, and it's going to be a dark place for me. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I mean, I've had some, some, yeah. I mean, I'm sure everybody's got a story like that, that in such a long time, it's so physically demanding at whatever level you're running at, you know, it is relative. You know, this guy is obviously very, he's au fait with the whole marathon thing. He's there to, to get a time and he's get there to, you know, to push himself just the same way as, you know, Carol is, who's, you know, started in last year and got a couch to 5k and now running her first marathon. Um, Yes, interesting. I wonder whether if people did a slightly longer run, like to 21 miles or 22 miles before, then that would be where the dark place is. And that's this kind of psychological element of it. It's wherever, particularly if you've not done it before, like that's, it's going to drop off at some point because you are all of a sudden you're into the unknown. It's like being adrift mm. of, um, you know, adrift in the sea and you suddenly look down and you're like, that is deep. And you realize how <laughs> how isolated you are and what i think what's what's really interesting about that is because one of the things particularly about london that lots of people say is that just the crowd are pumping and you know you're wearing your name on your front and they're screaming your name and even and that probably hasn't changed from 17.9 miles to 18 to 18.1 the crowd has remained constant and yet something goes and it I mean, we're talking about 18 miles it can be any point but that that can't get you through as you, um, you know, that's sort of left up to you. Um, <clears throat> anyway, like I said, well done. Uh, well done to Mark for dragging you around. And um, yeah, we'll probably move on from this marathon chat now, can't we? Yeah, well, I was going to touch on a couple of coaching points just whilst we're here. Ah, After speaking okay. to Mark and obviously the, the, the experience that I've got is like if you if you're into or, or you want to get into running longer distances and and or running in general then the i might have touched on this before but there's a proclivity when you go for a run to just go for a run and enjoy it 
without us you know it's like all the things without a, a kind of an agenda i think there is a benefit to that from a psychological perspective and the kind of just getting the body in motion and going for a run that's absolutely fine but that shouldn't be every run that you do especially if you want to improve and get better and then do an event whatever marathon half marathon 10k 5k whatever the things that i think are crucial to include and what people don't tend to include is threshold training i'll explain what that is in a second and interval work so those are the two components that probably aren't that fun because you have to push yourself a little bit outside your comfort zone surprise supplies you want to improve in something you've got to push push through any threshold that you've had before otherwise you're not going to see benefit improvement strength training whatever it might be physical fitness is a very easy example of that but it it, it it propagates every area of life quite clearly. Yeah, we, we don't want to believe that. <laughs> we want to stay comfortable, keep the duvet on. So threshold training is understanding where you're, where you're, you can do it by heart rates, but usually quite a good way to do it. You're going to push up into zone three. So you can basically effectively going to be working harder than you would do on a normal run for a fixed period of that run. So you, you kind of start the run and then you push up and you go a little bit faster than you would do at a comfortable pace. So you're pushing the pace for a fixed amount of time. Obviously the distance you have to, you have to temper the distance because you're going faster than normal. So you might not go as long, but you're going, you're going at a, at a kind of a race pace for a good chunk of your training run. And, and you're basically pushing up to that threshold and you're maintaining that threshold for the duration of the, of the training. And then you stop and then you, you try and increase that performance. Yeah, it's like a progressive overload for running, I guess. The other thing that I think is absolutely crucial is building kind of running strength in, in quotes by doing interval work. So short, sharper hill sprints or track work like track sprints or something that's going to pu push you uh, not not into the threshold which is kind of zone three that we talk about but all the way through to to you know really pushing lactic through the muscles and, and really fatiguing yourself uh, in the short uh, in the short term that's going to help to make you run a lot faster and it's also going to build your cardiovascular fitness quicker so finding a way to to kind of get those into your training routine is is absolutely vital and the programs that, that have that in will see much much better results than the programs where they just add a little bit of distance add a little bit of distance add a little bit of distance and they have that kind of two 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 run split where you you, you do like a shorter run in the midweek and then a longer run on the weekend and you're not really pushing up into the threshold on at any point in that training program you're just not going to get it so you know that's my take on on how to actually get better yeah i, I mean <clears throat> i'm no running coach but and so when i was sort of managing my client sarah she was on her own running program and it did have um it did have different areas, different qualities that we're tr trying to train through the running. So, you know, some zone two stuff, some threshold stuff, and then some out and out, um, out and out stuff. So as, as you described, and I think that's, yeah, you touched on it there. Even if you're not coming up running from the first, for the first time, if you just run recreationally, it may be, you, you may be doing it for lots of reasons, but one of the main reasons people do it is because 
they sort of enjoy it. They get a bit of a buzz from it. Um, and certainly under my coaching brand, we've I tried to make the distinction between exercising and training. Now they sound like the same thing, but I qualify that by saying exercise is something that you do under my model that you enjoy, that you would have to put on some sports gear for, and that you're going to get out of breath. And there are some sort of physical, there's some, there is physical exertion, but generally speaking, you do it because you enjoy it. And then training, which is goal driven and Therefore, you are probably going to come up and and have to do things that you perhaps don't find particularly interesting, don't enjoy or whatever, but they are going to garner results in the qualities to which you are lacking and therefore push you more towards your goal. Now, in the very early stages, those two circles, if you think about them as circles, those two things can overlap. You can go to Zumba and you can get a cardiovascular workout from Zumba and you could both be training cardiovascular output and also enjoying yourself at the same time but that has a limit to it and if you pick a specific goal then eventually you're going to have to do that and I think that's what people find quite difficult about running particularly if they've been running for recreationally for a long time is switching into that training mindset where somebody's like right we need you to run in zone two now and they all of a sudden they go well this doesn't give me the same feeling because I'm basically just walking or I'm running really really slowly but that's that's going to give them the best return on investment. Or they're very, very good at zone two because all they do is plod along. Um, they do three runs a week. They do a park run, 5K, and they always go with their mate. And they just they just use it as an hour away from the kids and they can just have a bit of a natter. Well, that's perfect zone two training for 5K. And if you're doing it that slow, it might be taking 45 minutes, which is good. And then they've got two other runs. As soon as you then start saying there are conditions to these runs, it then doesn't give them that sort of psychological feedback that they get. And that is quite challenging. Um, so one of the things that we did with Sarah is that um, we talked about some of the training um, qualities that we were going after and then thought about how we could maybe get those training qualities, but without having to always rely on the running. So <clears throat> some of the zone two stuff you can do, I, mean, I didn't do this with her specifically, but this is what I would say to people is that you can do some of that on a different piece of equipment. You can do it in a different way. Um, obviously the closer you get to an event, if it is running, then specificity is important and you do want to have those miles and that strength in the legs. But um, if you find yourself taking on a more goal driven um, endeavor, and that is taking and, and it's becoming challenging because it's psychologically it doesn't feel the same as what you would normally do specifically with running then you can look at other modalities in order to give you that so if you want to do some of that high stuff that nick was talking about there and you know you can't get down to a track or whatever or you don't want to do it running you can do some really hard disgusting zone five stuff on a air bike for example or you can just do it on a normal bike and really really go and you will get the physiological adaptations and maybe preserve some of the um <laughs> and not completely ruin running for you but yeah just i do see that quite a lot it's it's that switch from exercising to training where people are faced with things that they're like hmm, oh don't really enjoy this but the goal requires there's a nice there's an interesting psychological thing to talk about with clients from a coaching perspective and, and manage them and help them through that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that, that Matt, that's a valuable perspective. Yeah. 
and I, I, I like the distinction you make there between ex exercise and training and being specific if you want the outcome. It's an interesting kind of like I, my, 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 I can hear my wife taking a piss now, but it's an interesting dichotomy to manage. Like I think most our brains are wired to think about things as kind of like on or off, like binary. We like that. Um, however, nothing in life is black and white, but it's, everything is a shade of gray. So you're always managing <clears throat> something. You're always trying to balance something and you gave a good example there. And, you, you know, you, you can, you can, you can have fun and you can be active and you can just stay in that pattern. But then at some point you might want to balance that and manage the dichotomy of actually a, a different objective. And, and that's, that's, uh, I think something to always hold in your mind is that there's no, there's no silver bullet. There's no, this is the answer. There's uh, there are pros and cons to doing everything. <clears throat> and you've, you've got to really understand that. I think all too often we're looking for the, the one shot deal that, that kind of fixes all. And it's, it's never the case. If you, if you're doing something, then something else is giving there's give and take in, in every aspect, whether it's fitness, life, time management, whatever it might be. And I think that's, that's a good example is like, you, you, you probably need a shade of, of exercise in terms of, you know, being active, but then if you're not where you want to be in terms of your health and fitness, then you need some, maybe some objective measures that incorporate having a, a structured plan that's leading you somewhere, the training component. I certainly, in my, in my practice, I deal with my clients are quite untrained a lot of the time or they've had periods mm -hmm. in their life where they're trained a lot and then they have they've been there's been a period of 10 15 years sometimes um that's just who i sort of market to and that's that's kind of who i enjoy working with and and so yeah that's mm -hmm. kind of what happens is that they may have already started something that has given them um a huge amount of its return on investment has been massive because they have become more active. They felt some of the physiological benefits. They've got some of the, you know, they're, they, they're, they're feeling them differently about themselves. So whatever it is they've started, let's say, the, and it is in this example, it is running. And like you said, like that, that's, um, if you only ever look at it through that lens, anytime that is challenged, that is quite difficult, but what they, what people have sometimes find challenging is that by taking on this new thing and they've kept it up, you are now not the same as when you started. So it's right probably that you would maybe want a little bit more. You might want to pivot into a different direction and so on and so forth. But that challenges the familiarity of what you got there. And that again, it starts that process of being a little bit feeling a bit unsafe or a bit un isolated or, you know, because it wasn't just, sometimes it wasn't just about the physical aspects of it. Sometimes it was all these other things going, you started it because you wanted to feel a bit fitter, um, which is, you know, which I'm sorry, I did that in air quotes and sounded sarcastic. That is a valid thing to do, but there was all these other things that came for a ride. And then now you want, that's probably not, you know, you've got other ideas. You want to move on from that. But in order to do that, you may have to leave behind or adapt what you're doing and that has created its own what you did in the past has now created a nice sort of safe space for you to exist that it was better than before and leaving that can feel make you feel a little bit vulnerable sometimes 
Um, but that is required depending, mm. you know, you will need to leave that. And if you, if you, if you change the goal to something that requires you to do that. So if you want to go from becoming a little bit more active, which is, you know, a kind of nebulous thing. I mean, a lot of things to a lot of people to running a marathon that is going to require a level of specificity at some point that, doesn't mean what you did before is is wrong. It's just going to require a different set of tools to get that job done. And yeah, mm. just that feeling of different is something that I enjoy helping people manage. Um, yeah, me too. I think, and it, yeah, so I did a workshop last week about setting goals, goal setting, and we looked at smarter, smart objectives. That acronym, you know, do you know that one? Specific, don't make me say it, Nick. Attainable. <laughs> anyway so but but my my sort of thought process on that is slightly different i don't necessarily agree with with smart goals i think they can be useful but but what i'm always thinking about especially in coaching conversations is is the why the underpinning why and, and understanding <clears throat> firstly what problem are you fixing and then why that's a problem that you want to fix we live in the first world we get to choose our problems that's the only thing really you get to choose so <clears throat> And that, that's where it comes down to like, everyone says, oh, you know, get a smart goal and, and be specific, but if you don't understand why, and then it feeds into that, okay, what problem are we trying to fix? And, and to your point, I want to stay on point here before I just massively off <laughs> on some leadership tangent, but to your point, you, you can be active and, and do all those things, but then it, you need to understand what problem that is solving. And there's a social component to that. And there is a, there is a health component to that. But then if you're, if you're in your mind, if, if your identity that you're seeking is, is something that is not being achieved with those actions, then you need to change those actions uh, and therefore define, uh, define the problem that you're trying to fix um, and be more objective in, in terms of your approach and therefore the outcomes that you have. Anyway, should we move on? Come on then, let's do it. Let's move. <laughs> so under this umbrella, I think there is a segue here. I know we went on a slight tangent there with smart goals, but under this umbrella then, so we talked about strength and cardio and obviously Matt and I have got aligned views in terms of training and, and what's, what's good <laughs> in certain respects. But there is this, and I get asked about it quite a lot because I think certainly the cohort of guys that I speak to on a regular basis or like you say, like, like they don't have a strong training background, certainly don't have a strong strength background. So they're a bigger proclivity to doing running or cycling or, or cardiovascular training, if we put it all under that umbrella. So getting them to think through strength work, I think is hard. And, and culturally as well, the norm is not to go to the gym and pump iron. That isn't the norm. It's becoming more popular. But if you go back 20, 30 years, like that, that isn't, you know, my parents don't understand what that means. Um, although my mum has got a PT now, and I've got a video of her on the leg press at 73. But. <laughs> Praise be. But, yeah. Hallelujah. Um, so the this cardio versus strength kind of argument is always raging somewhere in this chat that we're talking about where you know whether you're training for a run or or kind of like trying to be fit and healthy you know what do you do what's the priority and how do you set it up so i guess we're shifting into kind of tools and tactics here to a certain extent but but just touching on some of the some of the research and, and kind of my view which i think is aligned but 
again, it's back to this point that I made, which is what problem you're solving and, and you're always managing something. You're always trying to balance something and you're always choosing what to give, what to, to what to, 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 what to weigh more than, than, than something else. And you're always managing that dichotomy. You're not, you're not, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. You have to balance things out and every other analogy that I can come up with. So the, the science does suggest that, you know, it's funny enough, if you, if you want a specific goal, then you can't have a kind of hybrid approach to your training. And the, the quote that I like is, you know, you can't be the world's best sprinter and marathon runner at the same time. If you look at the physical makeup of those two athletes, they couldn't be more different. Your, your marathon runner has got long legs and anatomically and a, a much lower muscle mass, lighter, and your your sprinter is has got a huge uh, amount of muscle comparatively they look more like bodybuilders a lot of them so you know you can't you can't you can't do both things to the elite level and objectively if you're trying to move in a certain direction then you need to shift that balance a little bit more can you have a hybrid approach? Is, are there benefits to that? What is the answer? How do you manage that dichotomy? Do you do more strength, more cardiovascular work? The answer is going to be unique to you, which arguably is why you need to sort of share your thoughts and then be held to account. Because I think we just have this massive bias to do what everyone else is doing and do what feels right and what's comfortable. So and easy as well. So you're going for a run, going for a walk, da, 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 um, versus, you know, getting a good strength program. Okay. So, 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 so let's make it <clears throat> more simple for people. What are we actually talking about here? Are we talking about what's, what's better? What's worse? What should you be doing? Are we, yeah, because I mean the well, example the example that you gave what came to my mind straight away is, and I know that you ha we have in order to, to kind of make a, a headline point, we talk about sprinters and marathon runners, but that is at the elite level. Who are we talking to, and are we saying to people? Yeah, what are we saying? What are you saying, Nick? Maybe I'm confused. <laughs> I think I've confused myself. I think you're right. We, 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 we polarize with these big statements and that's problematic. However, when we, when we think to ourselves, like what, what we want to move towards, it can be useful because we want to be directionally correct in our approach to whatever we're doing. So if you want to carry a bit more muscle mass and l be leaner, then you need to, you know, turn your boat in the right direction effectively. And it all comes down to what you're currently doing. Usually not very much. Is that effective in moving in the direction you want to travel? Now, if the, the, again, there's so, so many themes intertwined here. 
again, what's, what is the goal? Cause you know, I, I canvas guys that I speak to, I'm running a seven day challenge at the moment where I get people in for free and, and, you know, take them through what I believe is a really good approach to having a structured system to your health fitness. Shame's plug. Um, you, the, the, uh, you know, canvases, uh, canvases come in and they say, you know, I want to, I'm to look a bit better. I want to get rid of my belly. I want a structured system. You know, the, the, the chat is pretty much that it's always the same conversation. So what is the right approach? The science tells us that you shouldn't have a, a kind of a hybrid approach to cardiovascular training versus strength training, and you should pick one or the other based on a specific outcome. Now. That's not, I think, to your point, Matt, I think that's not very practical. And also that's not going to align necessarily with uh, the result you want. Because in the short term, if someone comes to you and says, okay, I want to I be as lean as possible in the next two months, then you'd, you'd address their diet. You put them on a, a meticulous approach to dieting. And you probably would put them on a, a sort of quote unquote bodybuilder training program to try and develop muscle mass as quickly as possible. And they would look aesthetically as, you know, as best that they could in, in a very short space of time, which is great. And there are benefits to that, even from a behavioral perspective, because you're giving the results up, up front. However, long-term change takes a long time. And also the research around health is that you need a good amount of cardiovascular exercise and fitness in your routine to be as, as fit and healthy and, and have the longevity and, and mitochondrial health and all the bits that, that we can pile into that bucket. Uh, so I've, I've created loads of problems in those, in that statement. How do you manage that? It's very individual and it comes back to what you're trying to achieve and, and managing that dichotomy. I think most people have got it too much in the bucket of, I want to do cardiovascular training because I'm used to that and I've played a bit of football and I've done a bit of running and not in the, I, I want to build strength. Okay. I've been thinking a lot. I, <laughs> I just want to make it. Yeah. I want to make it a bit more simple for people. Just maybe, maybe just talk about it. And what I understood there when, so the first thing I want to say is when, Nick is talking about and the science says I think we need to open that up a little bit more because I think that is either going to turn some people off or it's going to confuse people more because we're saying oh the science says um, the interference effect I think that's what you're talking about is a, is a real thing and you you need to pick a lane and and, <clears throat> and go in that direction and yet on the other and then but there's no sort of characterization of that research as in at what level is it a, is it a problem you know we, we and the research can't answer this because you said like it's individual is the interference effects or this idea that you can't serve two masters sprinter and marathon runner is that relevant to your guys i would argue no if you're an average person like most people i.e if you are not an elite athlete I would say it's just not worth worrying about. Does that mean that you can go and do whatever the hell you want with your training? No, because Nick is has just run a marathon and he had nine weeks to do it. And there was a certain amount of stuff that he had to do, probably from a time constraint. His training lent towards 
more running. But that was a nine-week period. Life is a long time. <laughs> so we just need to be careful about saying, oh, well, the science says this, and then really decide at what point it becomes relevant to that individual. Now, I agree with you that, yeah, like we said, if you have, if you want to, you want to gain more muscle and you're only doing running, you, you, that is the wrong approach. But can you do a little bit of both? Probably. And from a coaching perspective, that's where I would start. I would do the, and if running was really, really important to that person, I would be saying, bugger the science. If I'm going to get more buy-in, if we keep with you as a client, if you do What's the minimum amount of running that you can do in order to feel like you're a happy athlete and then go in to do the, 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 the training that their goal requires? And I suppose that's the, that's the, that is a balancing act for most people is particularly us in the, us guys in the middle of sprinters and marathon runners, people who are just, you know, dare I say, trying to just look a little bit sexier. Yeah. So so what's my take on that? Yeah, no, and, and it is complex. And I guess all, all, all everything that I've said has probably added layers of confusion. Uh, so let me try and break down my thoughts into kind of a ch big, big, uh, smaller chunks. I was going to say bigger chunks, there, but smaller chunks. The, yeah. So it, it, again, what problem are we trying to solve? Try and be as specific as possible. And from a coaching perspective, we might not articulate this, but you, you're effectively, you're looking at a period of time to have a fixed goal around, and then you might shift that focus. This isn't, I guess my, my overarching statement is this, this is a conundrum. Like this isn't, this isn't a straightforward conversation, even with a coach, even with all the science in your head, PhDs coming out your backside. Like it, this isn't something that is fixable and that's why i i've said about five times is, is we're managing this dichotomy we're trying to we're trying to <clears throat> we're trying to we're trying to understand what the best approach is when effectively what we're saying there isn't one so let me clarify the the sciencey bit if you like optimal against a fixed outcome like what is optimal against a fixed outcome you said there i want to look a bit sexier so you know if this was a coaching conversation you obviously look at what you like doing and what events are interested you is interesting you if, if that's the road you want to go down and okay so let's have a fixed event and we will train towards that event like a marathon for something but understand that's the priority not looking a bit sexier so that breakdown is quite important as the first step and then understand what's going to be optimal to move you towards that goal now this is where the balance comes in because then you might choose the middle path, the, the Buddhist middle way, which is effectively to say, I understand this approach is suboptimal based on the science and the research. However, we are trying to incorporate long-term health with short-term aesthetic goals, for example, or marathon training with building muscle. So that that's kind of how I would start to approach that, but it isn't straightforward, and and you know it's it, it is a it's 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 tricky, it's tricky. But to to be clear, like if you want aesthetic results, strength and muscle gains, then cardiovascular training is not is not going to support that. There is a good argument for sure incorporating I... that when you talk about long term health. Yeah, I th I'm not sure. Again, I. I, I... 
not again. It just, this is where a lot of people get confused, myself included, which is just that the language that somebody can use in a certain moment, in, in a certain mo uh, moment, can really uh, send people down the wrong thing, uh, d down the wrong path. So you're saying there, if you've got aesthetic goals, then <clears throat> you want to be, you know, the, the, the muscle building, the, the weights and stuff, that's going to be, that's going to give you the best bang for the buck. And then cardiovascular work is not going to be helpful. That to me is, is like, we, sh we should be avoiding that kind of chat as coaches because that just, oh, it's just, it is difficult because you have to give context and nuance with everything. But <laughs> certainly with the people, if I say that to some, the people that I'm training, for example, they don't see the nuance there. They just think, oh, cardio bad. And they go back to, there is no gray area. What we're really mm -hmm. saying is that your goal requires a certain amount of um, specificity in the actions that you take. That specificity will probably take away from the fact that you, uh, uh, certainly the amount of time that you've got to do other activities. And then you've got this goal and think, right, well, I want to align myself with my behaviors to best get the outcome of that goal. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everything becomes everything else that you were doing is useless and, and detrimental. So, for example, I've seen, and this isn't to do with just the cardio, by the way. This is probably just to do with a lot, a lot of things like the psychological aspects of my training, which is that I just enjoyed it a little bit more. I've got a training buddy, all these other things. But I have noticed from a output perspective, when I put more cardio in to my training, I won't specify what kind of training because we're not going to do that now, but I used to be just uh, three days a week in the gym, compound movements, and I got really, really strong. I played rugby and it was all fine. But once I, uh, once I started doing more cardiovascular work, my lifting in the gym got better. So it isn't just a good versus bad. There is a balance to be had. And that's probably where, where we're at. It's, the, it's trying to get that balance right try to get it right physiologically yep. trying to get it right psychologically trying to get it right socially all those kinds of things and that's what makes a, co a, a training program like very specific and bespoke for you as an individual when you when you when you're balancing all of those things and you've got all those plates spinning exactly the way that you want them to that's when you get, get going to get the most results and two people can have the same goal they both want to run a marathon. And if Nick and I did that training, if we both wanted to run a marathon in Dublin in September, our training, the goal would be the same, but our training would probably look very, not very different, but probably slightly different. There was a certain amount of running that we would have to do because that is the specificity of the goal. But in order for me to stay on board with that running, I would probably do more weights than Nick. Now, the, the trade-off there is maybe that isn't optimal for running, but if it means I'm going to complete more sessions, that's better. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. And I think that's what, what I would like to get across here is that science says what science says sometimes. And I think that sometimes that is unhelpful for people. It is, it is what it is, but it is, it, it is unhelpful for a lot of people and it can turn people off from doing things or, or not, not exploring other ways. Oh, science says this, so you have to do it. And 
anything else after that is and that and as soon as in fact just where i've come from in my life as soon as i hear, start hearing that particularly if it doesn't align with my biases i'm like nah fuck it anyway i don't want to listen to this <laughs> um yeah so there's good there's good and bad in that there's good and bad in that but yeah i think i, I think yeah so so here's an analogy for you i think you're right i think you're 100 right and i think one of the big problems we face at the moment to go off on a massive rant without going off as a massive rant Here is comes. people banned people banned about science on on instagram in two seconds reels or whatever and there's no nuance there and i've effectively done that looking at this study which doesn't provide that, the wider context fair is fair <laughs> but 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 for specific reasons, because I think it's it's worth triggering a debate to help people understand that this is a dichotomy they've got to manage. This is a complex subject. The nuance isn't isn't there, and so, the nuance is trying that if you understand anything about scientific process, all your you could argue what you're trying to do is remove nuance to actually see what's actually going on. So you're removing variables. And then you tr as much as possible to try and look at very really specific things. So it, it doesn't work for us as humans because we're generalists. We, we want to be strong. We want to be fast. We want to run long distances. We want to be sprinting. We want to look awesome. We want to be rich. We want to be sexy. Like we, we are all generalists. We want to fill these cups up. That's how we approach life. So the scientific process, to your point, doesn't really work. <laughs> I will continue. But the analogy I have is like what's what what cup are we filling up now we've got these different cups when we talk about health and fitness and life where like you you can fill up the the the, the endurance cup if you like and i talk about energy sorry energy mobility and strength you can fill, fill up the energy cup so you, your endurance bucket is is overflowing but that means you're having to take water out you're having to take something out of the strength bucket something out of the mobility bucket. If you do a lot of running, you're going to be stiff as hell. I've seen that pretty much in every runner that I've coached. So those buckets are starting to empty out. However, the, the kind of the, the benchmark of, of, of what the guys that I talk to on the, on a general basis, if I'm really honest and, and if the people listening to you, if you fall into that bucket, I'm sorry, but your comfort sitting on the sofa, watching Netflix bucket, yep is overflowing and you need to start pouring into some of these other uncomfortable buckets so largely doing something is better than doing nothing however i think you just need to manage what bucket you're putting your your and you need to have something in each of the buckets that's probably what i would say yeah i would say that when we see those big sciencey taglines, if you're somebody that really enjoys their training, training, not exercising, and you've set goals and so on and so forth, it can be as equally as um, trepidatious to just take that as it is. And those people that really enjoy their training are like, oh, okay, well, they're now, you know, they, they go down and they do it to the nth degree and then they rob themselves of, mm -hmm. because they go too far one way because they think that they understand the science and this is really relevant to me because I am a trainer and I train, I lift things and I run things and, and then just, and it can be as equally, you know, 
trepidatious and challenging for, you know, if you read that title in the Daily Mail, because then you're like, oh shit, but I, I really enjoyed, oh, I was enjoying what I was doing and now I can't, this thing says I can't do it. And then you're fucked either way. So in these people like us having a chat who probably didn't really understand each other clearly at the beginning to come together and, and say, this is, a, it, the science says what it says, but there are, you know, it, it is a balancing act. You need to be objective about your start position. You need to be objective about what your goal requires and then start to use Nick's analogy, start taking water out of the buckets that are overflowing and putting them into the buckets where that you're lacking and that are going to get you closer to your goal. And you have to probably accept a level of suboptimality, suboptimalness, suboptimality. I'm going to go optimality. Um, and that's not what you get from the tagline. The tagline in the science suggests that there is something optimal, but it exists in that study, which by the way, lots of sports and sports science studies are naff. They're under, there's not enough people. <laughs> they just don't have a huge amount of funding because, you know, it's just, there's not a lot of money in it, basically. Um, so you need to be careful about that, but it just, you know, that is, it's relevant to that particular cohort of what they're studying. And it doesn't give you any of that, you know, that life. <laughs> It doesn't give you any of that reality and that's can be confusing to people. So if you are confused, um, get in touch with us. That's what I would say. Yeah. And we'll tell you that we're also confused. <laughs> yeah. And there isn't, there isn't, there isn't a silver bullet. I think that's what there it isn't a silver to, bullet. And it will look, you know, it, that's probably the, where I would finish this is just to say that science says what it says and we have to then, as coaches go off that and then try and make something that it is very like is relevant, um, relevant to our clients. But if Nick and I were running the Dublin marathon in September, we would both want to get over the finish line. We both want to run a good time. We both want to run the best time that we can do. And although the goal is the same, our training would look very different and it would look different because we are starting from a different position we have different interests. We have different, you know, there are biological things that are different, sociological things that are different. Instead, the goal is, is the same. And we would both accept a level of suboptimality in our training in order to achieve that goal. If we did it with a, some degree of uh, a smile on our face and it just didn't, you know, it added to our lives rather than took away. And, and yeah, and, and there's a, there's a cost, there's a cost, there's a cost to each approach. And that's, that's, I guess, when I talk about dichotomy, that's what I mean. Like there's, there's a cost to the, to, to the approach that you're going to take or prescribe yourself. There's a, that, you know, when it comes to fitness, whatever, whatever, whatever approach you're taking now, if that approach is sitting on the sofa, drinking beer and pizza, there's a cost to that approach. There's also a cost to going out and running 20 miles a day. There's a, there's a cost to just strength training. There's a cost to all these things. And yeah, you, you almost need to have a suboptimal approach, but I think is, is the outcome of this podcast. If you're looking for a tagline, because you need to be balancing the accounts on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah.
if I was if I if I was going to run a marathon, I in my mind I would like immediately go to well, I just I'll just run. I can see it. I can see mm. all, all, and that would be it. But I mean, yep. it just wouldn't work. <laughs> it just wouldn't work. Yeah, and, and that's and that's and that's I think. So let's let's finish. Let's wrap up on this point then, Matt, and I'll get your views on it. Is like that to, to bring it full circle to something that I talk about a lot. Is people come to me and they say, "Oh, I just need to get back to running." And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Like I'm moving away from like training for a marathon. They just say, I want to get back to running. I'm like, okay, so you used to be a runner or you like running? And they're like, well, no, not really, but it gets me fit. And there's all these nebulous concepts that are just people shouting about um, without any <clears throat> thought about, okay, like we say, let's keep the simple analogy of, of checks and balances, putting things in the buckets what's the goal like what bucket are you filling up and why what problem are you solving you, you know if you don't like running don't 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 feel the need to don't feel the need to do that if it's not aligned with your goal yeah i would agree thank you for listening to that episode <laughs> hopefully it brought lots of value to you and maybe smile and maybe even laugh anyway really quick if you go over to fitleandad.com, that's fitleandad.com, you can sign up to take your fitness to the next level. So all the stuff that we talk about, I try and consolidate that into, into free challenges and coaching programs. All the information is at fitleandad.com. You can subscribe there, get on the next free challenge to take your fitness to the next level. Simple as that, get yourself across there. Also, what would be great if you could share this podcast with someone who you think would find it beneficial, comedy, value, we just have a giggle at our expense. <laughs> it's up to you. Anyway, thank you very much. I really appreciate your support.